as Emily said, we're continuing our vision series over these next few weeks. And as we're re-emerging back into the building more and more, I think tonight really my hope and my desire is to just share a little bit of our hearts uh, for what we see God is doing in this place and wants to do in the future, and really to share some of the vision that we sense God has for us as a church, as a community going forward. And uh, as many of you will know, without vision, the people perish, uh, as it says in Proverbs, but also vision leaks. And so we've got an opportunity tonight to talk a bit about our vision uh, and just really what's on our hearts, who we are, a bit of our story, um, you know, from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, and that's what we're about. So tonight we're going to look at Isaiah 61 uh, to form our thoughts around. So Isaiah 61 says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. And then just jumping over to verse 8, it says, For I, the Lord, love justice. And this prophecy is fulfilled, uh, as many of us know, in Jesus who came to the earth to bring the kingdom of God into this world. And when Jesus begins his ministry after he's been tempted in the desert for 40 days, he goes into the temple. And uh, we pick it up in Luke chapter 4, verse 14. It says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. News about him spread throughout the whole countryside. I don't think it was a coincidence or an accident that news about him began to spread because he was filled with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's ultimately what we want for this church. We want each one of us, we want this church to be filled with the power of his presence. And we believe that that is what is attractive to those who are in our community. But it says he was teaching in their synagogues. Everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is the manifesto of Jesus, and this is our vision. This is what we want to impart to those that are around us. And we believe that this is a move of the Spirit that he's doing at this time. Uh, as Emily said, I'd really want to encourage you, if you didn't catch last week's talk, Tim Hughes just gave an amazing prophetic word at the end about the wind of the Spirit coming. And for some, that feels like it's an uncomfortable thing. There's displacement uh, of different things. But actually, if we're open to what the Spirit of God is doing, then he's going to do an amazing work amongst us. And that word, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things. And this 
vision uh, that we sense God has given us, that the Spirit is leading us in. And some of you will have heard this, but it's to see faith rise, the church rise, and the city rise. And, uh, you know, we're on Battersea Rise. We want to be a church that's rising up, worshipping Jesus who rose from the dead. So each one of us one day will too rise to eternal life. But what does it mean? Uh, we've said that phrase. It's slightly better than Marcus's slogan. Uh, faith rise, church rise, city rise. But, but, but how do we clarify that? And that's what I want to talk a bit about tonight. First of all, to see faith rise. Our heart is to see people come to know Jesus. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news. We have good news. We have a hope to tell other people about. Eternal hope. And we're empowered by the Spirit to do that. But we don't just want to see people become Christians. We have to see people become Christians. Uh, Just some very quick statistics This was actually a pre-COVID statistic that just under 1% of our country attend, the adult population attend Church of England churches. That's about 600,000 adults in our nation. 200,000 of those, about a third of those are over the age of 70. And I don't say that to be ageist, but we kind of know the trajectory of that. And actually, I think that is such a phenomenal generation so faithful, so committed. I speak personally, my parents, they're, they're in their early 80s, both of them, and they're both still so passionate about the church. Seeing the church mobilized, serving in church. I had a conversation uh, just the other night with a man in his late 70s, and uh, he recently came to faith, actually, but just so passionate about the church, wanting to see it do what the church was designed to do, to bring the love and the hope of Jesus to this world. But I think we also need to recognize that if we don't do something for a younger demographic, where will we be in a number of years' time? And we need to think about our context in this city. When I applied for the role of vicar here at St. Mark's, I was given some statistics in the diocese, in the area. And uh, there's 320,000 people in Wandsworth Borough. 45% of those people are under the age of 29. 81% of those are under the age of 44. I'm in the minority at 46. I'm in the 19%. And you know, I I don't just talk about that because I used to be part of a church called Soul Survivor that was particularly for young people. I don't talk about that because I've got four sons and I'm passionate about teenagers or young people. I hope that I'm saying this when I'm even grayer than I am already, when I'm in my 70s, when I'm in my 80s, because actually we need to be a people who are about the next generation, constantly looking to pass it on. That's what we read in the Old Testament. You know, they were faithful so that they would be faithful for the generation coming after them. There's a tendency in the church to go up and in. Up in age as the church gets older, but a bit more inward looking in the way that we do things. And, and we have a heart and a desire really to go down and out, down in age. And we might look around this room here tonight and think, what are you going on about? You know, surely there's so many young people here. 
And and that's kind of true, and we want to give thanks to God for what he's doing here currently in this place. But there's so much more. This week, I was attending a meeting out in the leafy suburbs of Dulwich. And I drove from our house in Battersea and went through Clapham South. And it was one of those really warm evenings this week. And just there were thousands and thousands of young people on the common, in the streets, in the bars, in the cafes. That's the context in which we find ourselves. And how are we going to reach those people? I believe that we need a culture of innovation. Emily talked about uh, this is a time for everybody about rebuilding, reimagining. And we totally recognize that St. Mark's uh, currently isn't a church plant. It was once a church plant, 1987, 33 years ago. uh, A team of people came and pioneered this church. This is not a church plant currently, but actually every church to some extent at this time is a startup. What COVID has done is it's stalled the church and we have to reimagine, we have to innovate how we're going to reach this generation. What does that look like? We want to be real, we want to be relevant, we want to be authentic. What does that look like for our communications, for our media, for the, the reach that we can have through digital forums. You know, it's amazing. 10.30 in the morning, we have our live stream service. But what does that look like? How do we build that? How do we communicate this good news with others? So we need a culture of innovation. I once heard as I was kicking off in sort of the world of ministry, somebody said this phrase, you know, the methods you're using are the perfect methods for the results you're getting. I think someone said that's the definition of madness, to keep doing the same things but expect different results. And as a church, we have to recognize that there's a lot of people not coming. There's a lot of people not interested. One of the members of staff this week, she was just expressing how heartbroken she was. Just that the fact that so many people just see this message, the proclamation of the good news is unimportant non-essential seemingly in our society these days. But we know, don't we, this this is the hope for the world. How are we going to get that good news out there? What are we going to do differently? We don't really have any of those answers. We need under God to say, what what do we need to innovate? What do we need to do differently? How are we going to reach this culture, culture of innovation? But also we want a culture of invitation. That's why we want Sundays to be of a certain standard That's why we've got video and production and, you know, we want things to run smoothly so that we can build confidence to invite our friends to come and hear the message. Actually, when we're distracted in different ways with different things, it can can put people off. So, oh, I don't think I'm going to invite my friends to that because, you know, I'm not quite sure how it's going to go. But we want that to be of a certain standard on a Sunday. That's why Alpha is so important. You know, these little flyer cards, they're here for a reason. Uh, We'd love to encourage you to invite your friends, come to Alpha if you've never done it before. And, you know, we have a vision for that to grow and to multiply. Uh, This term, as Marcus said, we're running Alpha in person and online. Uh, We're also running Spear Alpha. And it's our hope that as the food bank opens up, uh, we're going to be able to open Food Bank Alpha, which I've heard they've done at HTC and has just been brilliant for people who've directly connected with the church through the food bank to come and hear who is Jesus, why did Jesus die, and all those amazing things that people find out about there. 
So that's faith rise as part of our vision. Second part is to see the church rise. And really, we want to see the church grow. Uh, Not just numerically, but also in depth. And we want to build a place where people can find belonging, where people are included, uh, and actually where people can find community and family and friendship. People don't want to come to just a friendly church. They want to come to a church where they can find friends. And that's the kind of church that we want to build here. So many of the team uh, communicating earlier, they were saying, actually, that's what I experienced. I experienced welcome, hospitality in this place. And for us, that's why groups are an absolutely essential part um, of of the vision going forward. We want these groups not just to be... um, a place for kind of the insiders. We've got a vision for a much more mixed economy of groups. However, people want to connect with the church to grow spiritually and to build friendships. We want to be that family. Maybe you've arrived in London and you think, actually, my fam- my sort of genuine family, they're a long, long way away. I feel lonely in London. And actually, the church can be our family. But also, we're a family on a mission. We're not just existing for ourselves. We've got a purpose. We've got a message to bring to those around us. And we've got a vision to plant churches. Uh, Multiplication isn't just a function of numbers, but of leader readiness. And so we want to train. We want to equip leaders in this church. That's why we run the courses, and that's why we've launched this Right Now Media uh, resource. Nobody has an excuse anymore to get great content. It's all there at the click of the button. Amazing teaching, and uh, we just want to put that in people's hands so that people grow in their leadership, so that we can plant churches, so that we can be a resource church to others around us. And we have this vision to plant 20 churches in 20 years. Uh, We don't really know how that's going to happen. We're really holding on to God uh, for that vision. But actually what we need, we need to raise people up. All these different teams that we've been talking about. And uh, it may be that there are opportunities that come very, very soon that God is sending us, asking us to go to make a difference in those churches. So we want to see faith rise. We want to see the church rise. And thirdly, we want to see the city rise. We believe that our role is to have an impact on our surrounding area, to make a difference. That's why there are so many amazing ministries coming out of St. Mark's, to to make a difference. We've heard about the food bank, but there's also Spear. We don't just want to eradicate food poverty, but we want to get young people back into employment. And we want to partner with other organizations to have an impact on our area, to make a difference around here. And we also recognize that, although we've showcased some of these teams, our primary place of ministry is in the workplace. And we want to equip people to be distinctive Christian leaders in their sphere of society. Wherever you work, however you spend your days, it might be in the home, It may be in media, in the arts, in business, in education, in politics, in the charity sector, wherever it is. We believe that God is calling and equipping and raising people up to make a difference, to be a light in those places, 
to be distinctive for the glory of God. And we're to pray for the peace and the prosperity of the city. And actually as the city flourishes for God's glory, then we will see more people come to faith. Then we'll see the church grow. Then we'll see the city impacted once again. I had somebody ask um, us this week, in 10 years' time, when you Google search St. Mark's Battersea Rise, what do you want to see come up on the search? I just thought that was such a great question. And we answered and we said, you know, we want to see stories of hope, stories of lives being changed and transformed in Jesus' name, stories of f- people finding the love of Jesus, stories of new churches being planted, stories of churches being revitalized, the story of this building not being able to contain the blessing and the growth that God is doing in this place. Now, wouldn't it be amazing if this was almost like the entrance hall to what God does and we need other buildings, other places where God is drawing people together, seeing people come to faith in him. And last week, at one of our services, uh, we were just chatting with people afterwards, and there was somebody who had a conversation with Emily, and uh, they said, oh, do you know, I just, I'm at this time, you know, just tr- restless, just wonder where I should go and in terms of church and the rest of my life, and I've been thinking that I should go and check out a few churches, but as I came tonight, I sensed the Spirit of God saying, this is where you belong, and she said, so I'm not going to go and check out any other churches, I'm in. And that was the phrase that she used. She said, I'm in. And I think really tonight, that's the invitation uh, that God is putting out to each one of us. But also that we're saying as a church, are you in? Fundamentally, this vision that God has for each one of our lives, this Jesus manifesto to see the Spirit of God move, the good news proclaimed, The prisoners set free, ministering to those less wealthy than ourselves. We're an amazing opportunity, the junction in this place between the rich and the poor. We can make a difference in this place. And I want to invite you tonight, really, just to consider that opportunity. Are you in? What is it that God is saying to you? How is he calling you in this next phase of your life and your ministry.